I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Shelly Zev. Shelly is a Toronto-based bookworm and exclamation mark enthusiast. Shelly earned an honors Bachelor of Arts with a double major in English and Media Studies, graduating with high distinction from the University of Toronto, one of the world's top universities. And later they earned a Master of Information specializing in Library and Information Science. With experience as a librarian, professional book reviewer, and managing editor of an indie press, Shelly is eager to help authors fulfill their publication dreams through editorial services. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you. Well, I know we have this lovely bio of you, but I feel like you're so much more than that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure, I'd be happy to do it. I think I'm going to start with the exclamation mark enthusiast thing. Because I feel like sometimes people don't understand what that means. But I feel like I really like exclamation marks in my writing. I know you're professionally supposed to not use them as much. You're supposed to be like, oh, period signals and professional. But I just get so excited about things that I feel like I have to put it in my bio. And I sometimes describe myself as like a walking exclamation mark. Like I just (laughs) feel like sometimes I'm just like so like enthused. I'm always at like an 11. So I feel like that's the perfect way to kind of put it in there um, as my personality point. But in terms of my, I guess, experiences as a a bookish person, um, I like to call myself that just because I feel like I've done, you know, the book reviewing thing, editing. I'm also a librarian by trade. So I I feel like I kind of am hitting all of the elements when you think of someone who is bookish. (laughs) Absolutely. And I can totally relate to the exclamation mark enthusiast because sometimes I have to like hone in my text or my emails of like, I sound really overly excited, especially as I've been doing this whole podcast venture, right? Of like, I'm messaging people that I don't know. And I'm like, it might come across like I'm a little like, you know, wild a little bit with all my exclamation points. But I am like you, I'm just very excited about this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm just excited about everything. But it helps. Sometimes I have clients too, who they use like three exclamation marks, you know, in their responses to me. And they're like, thank you so much. I'm like, you know what, I appreciate it. The over exclamation mark, it only leads to happiness. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, we are just trying to put forth our joy about this topic. (laughs) Well, can you tell us a little bit? So did you get your start in this bookish realm of your life as a librarian, it sounds like? Yeah, so it's been really interesting for me Um, throughout my university career. I was uh, I wanted to work in book publishing, actually, but I was also working part time at libraries. So at that time, a lot of my coworkers and colleagues, they were kind of nudging me. They were like going to libraries, you know, at least here in Canada, it does pay a bit better than traditional book publishing. Surprisingly, I know that in the States, librarians are underpaid and overworked, and it just breaks my heart for all the things that they have to go through with book bans for the country. But I don't want to, you know put a damper on our conversation but you know it is something that I think about as a librarian quite a bit but um, I was originally going to go into book publishing and then decided you know what I'm not quite sure if this is a path for me and I've been in library so long so it was almost like a comfort decision like a safe choice you know to go for that plan b and become a librarian Um, but since then you know I've decided that maybe it's worth pursuing some of my original book publishing dreams. And I really enjoy editing and just working with authors and just helping writers 
in general. So I think I've managed to find a good balance in doing like a part time of both. But I know it's definitely not for everyone because I know a lot of folks prefer, you know, like that one thing they're doing that's their whole passion, which I agree. And I definitely see myself perhaps going down that way in the future. But for now, I'm happy to kind of be doing both. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you're kind of keeping in your comfort zone a little bit while you're building up. It sounds like, you know, that you're something that you're passionate about. I'm I'm kind of getting that vibe since we're talking. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think even if I, you know, retire as a librarian at some point, I'll never, you know, lose my passion for it or for being in that, in that career. So, yeah. So as a librarian, do you specialize like in an area of books, like children's or adults, or how does that work? Yeah, it's a, a good question. I, used to specialize in children's services quite a bit. So I know how to do the story times and, you know, um, singing to toddlers, doing picture books. So I do have a specialty in sort of children's services and just children's books. I know way too much about them. I read way too much of of them as well. I would say like graphic (laughs) novels as well, like children's middle grade graphic novels, like that eight to 12 range, like Raina Telgemeier, you know, drama, Babysitter's Club, all of those really popular graphic novels. I've read them all and I know way too much about it. Um, but I currently I specialize in user education, which is like computer classes and just teaching um, adult literacy, which I enjoy as well. So I kind of know a little bit about everything, uh, which is also how they describe, you know, having a master of information. It doesn't mean, you know, okay. everything. It means, you know, where to find it. Yeah. So I feel like that's a good kind of descriptor for what librarians do. Yeah, I'm actually a physical therapist by trade (laughs) when I'm not a (laughs) podcaster. And I think it's very similar, right? Is I have my specialty that I know, but I don't treat vestibular, you know, they or there's there's various things that I do not treat. So I just know where to refer that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like similar. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. If you don't know something, you're like, at least that can get you on the path to finding the correct answer. That's usually what I say. Yeah. And when you're someone that doesn't know that field, right, it's nice to have someone like you that we could come to and be like, can you help? Like, I don't know exactly which way to turn here, but I can go to you and you can direct me on the right path. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about, so you're doing editorial services and Mm -hmm. this publication journey. Can you, for listeners that maybe are looking for some of these services, what do you do there? Oh, that's a good question. So I would say that I provide editorial services, so mainly proofreading and copy editing. I don't want to say I do developmental editing, which is like big picture stuff. Okay. I know I know there's lots of editors who are experts at that, but I am not going to say that's an expertise of mine because when I go into story, I already like the story to be a little bit more fleshed out. And then I just help um, the author perfect it to make sure that they're comfortable sharing it with people. That's usually how I like to phrase my services. Okay. But I also know so much about the publication industry just from, you know, I've done an internship at a big uh, literary agency when I was back in university and I've been keeping up with all the trends, book reviewer, I've been to so many book conventions and I just know all the publishing speak, how it works, both for self-published authors and for traditionally published authors. So okay. I do also like to do, you know, conversations consultation calls and just speak to people and because I find a lot of times people write a book or they write something and they have it and it's just sitting on their computer and they're like I don't know what to do with it what can I even do with it yeah and when you start going down that rabbit hole even just on Google you're just flooded with so much information so many ads for people you know selling you services um, whether to go one way or another and I find that sometimes inexperienced folks do fall into scams because they'll see something like you know, Amazon publishing will publish my book for me, but they don't realize that's 
it's actually kind of a known scammer that, you know, takes the name Amazon to trick wow. people into, you know, buying services from them when Amazon itself is completely free to use to upload the book. So even just minor distinctions like that, that folks um, without really much industry knowledge might not know. So I always yeah. love to help writers just get that information, even if they don't, you know, do editing with me. At least I want them to be on the right path that whatever, you know, wherever they decide to go, they're at least informed about their options. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple questions. So yes, as far it. as let's go back to the editorial services really yes. quick. So you are, have, well, has someone have already worked with a developmental editor and then they'll be coming to you. It sounds like, cause they've already really fleshed out their story. So yeah. this is kind of like right before maybe they're sending out to publishers. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's what I prefer. I do offer manuscript evaluations, which I've done in the past. And that's like when I look at like a really rough draft okay. and I just give my opinion on it. Um, I would say because I'm such a big reader and a, I'm in a librarian, I know what the industry trends are. I know sort of the way the tropes in the story should go, or okay. I like to take sort of like a reader approach when I edit a text, which I know sometimes people say, oh, I take like a very professional, you know, dictionary approach, which I do as well. Sure. But I like to frame it through as a reader. If I'm reading this and I get stuck at some point, it's unclear. I'm going to flag that for the author because okay. as a reader, if I don't understand what's going on, how can, you know, someone who buys it next week, you know, really understand it as well. So I sometimes do manuscript evaluations where I really like go through the story and just, um, you know, make sure that it's cohesive, but I wouldn't call that developmental editing quite yet because okay. it's sort of like, you know, an evaluation, almost like a review. Sure. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like actual developmental editing, um, not really. It's mainly like proofreading and just making sure that the text is clear and cohesive. Okay. I love this. feel like you are a jack of all trades between the master of information and as well as this passion project of yours. I think that is wonderful. Yeah, thank you. I normally don't like to describe myself that way because I think uh, I think perhaps I've heard the saying like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And then I'm really like, oh, my gosh, does that mean I don't know anything? Oh, gosh, um, I don't mean that at right. all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's interesting. I would say that that's why I describe myself as sort of like a bookish person. Like if it's yeah. books related, I'll know it. If it's not like sports, like as much as I try, I cannot get into things that, you know, just aren't related to my interests. Yeah. I like to kind of know everything. So. <laughs> okay. Well, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> and then I had one other question about sure. as you, when you were talking about the publishing side of it is, mm -hmm. I guess it was more just maybe a, a thought of, yeah. I feel like these authors work so hard and so long, right, on creating their their manuscript and their story. And then to think about like all that then has to go into that. Yeah. After that is just created, which I think takes years sometimes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's just like the perseverance that you must have to actually get your book published is amazing. Oh, yes, a thousand percent. Because even, you know, that's why a lot of folks go to self-publishing these days because it can, you know, really speed up the process in terms of like, you could probably have a quality book out in less than a year or like about oh, a year. Okay. Whereas traditional publishing, you know, you're spending one to two years finding an agent. Then that agent spends a year uh, selling the book to the publisher, then the publisher edits it, does the cover. That's another two years. Wow. So it is, I would say perseverance is definitely a key trait if wow. you want to work in books for sure. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that because that's a side I don't know, but I just was finding that so impressive as I was thinking as you were talking. Like, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. 
Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit in your bookish person realm and let's talk about who you are as a reader and what type of books you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this question. I like to think that everyone reads for a different purpose, though sometimes these purposes all melt together. Some people read to, you know, experience new things, you know, to escape reality, to learn something new that they would have never learned otherwise. I kind of feel like I kind of hit all three, but I try to mainly read lighthearted books. Like I really enjoy romance. I really enjoy, you know, contemporary fiction. I also really enjoy reading about people's experiences that are so different than mine because I like to think I only know what I know. So it's always interesting to me to see, you know, what other people know or what other people experience. So that's the way I would kind of describe it. That's what I love about reading too, is getting to walk in someone else's shoes through a novel that I will never have the chance probably in my lifetime to experience. Exactly. Exactly. Very true. Yes. Okay. So, and then you have been so gracious to prepare a book flight for us today as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how these books pair together? Sure. I'd be happy to. So the books I've chosen are all memoirs. Um, I want to say, yeah, memoirs, autobiographies almost, but I would definitely say they're more in the memoir realm. And what's really interesting to me about all three books is that I really enjoyed the experience of reading them, even though they're not as lighthearted as I would normally go for. And I think that it's because I'm a character-driven reader. So if I'm invested in the character, in this case, you know, the author being the character, right, then I want to know how their story turns out and I want to get to the end. So I think that's something that's pretty unique about this book flight, at least in terms of my own personal reading, is that I tend to read, you know, lighthearted romances, lots of graphic novels, but, you know, nonfiction especially, I I'm trying to get better at reading it, um, especially because I recognize that, you know, I need to like, now that I'm no longer in school and I haven't been for a while, I need to, you know, still learn and still professionally develop in some ways. So I feel like memoirs are kind of like a great toe to tip into if you're always someone who's been really hesitant about reading nonfiction, you know, and you say, I never read nonfiction. It's just not for me. I find that memoirs are kind of that good, you know, dip your toe into the water because you'll realize that some of these nonfiction books can be really creative and just really well written. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like almost in that story format too, right? Versus exactly. like a, here's a nonfiction book to learn, you know, something. And um, I that was a big premise of why I created this show is I also try to push myself to expand my reading horizons is how I usually say it of reading books that, you know, I've always said, I always thought that, for example, the fantasy genre was not for me. I mean, I read Harry Potter and, you know, right. I read some things along the way, but I always just thought, well, this genre isn't really for me. And then I was like, but why am I saying that? Because I've really never explored that. And yeah. so I started asking friends that I knew read fantasy and they'd be like, tell me what I should read. If I was just, you know, I'm just starting out, what should I look mm-hmm. into? And I learned that I loved it. And yes. so I was like, what if I, speaking of passion projects, was looking for yeah. something to kind of spend my time doing. And I was like, what if I start talking to people about books and in genres that I don't know, um, because there are so many good books out there and we just have so little time to read. So it was really yeah. a way to have some great book recommendations, but also push me out of my boundary or not, not boundaries. That's not the right word, but like push me out of yeah. my comfort zone to try something yeah. new. So. Yeah. I love that. I think I'm trying to do the same as well, but it's, it sometimes can be a little bit challenging if the subject matter really is something you're not interested in. Like, I think it would take a lot for me to read like a sports book or like a sports memoir. Like there's some things where 
I don't I don't want to say never, but it would take a lot for me <laughs> to read yeah. it. So I feel like, you know, it's a good way to at least hear about these books that, you know, you may not be interested in reading yourself. But if you know someone who has that interest, you can say, oh, I've heard about this really good book. I think you might enjoy it. Yeah. And that's what I think people don't realize a lot of librarians do is that they may not read every single book they recommend, but they have trusted friends or they know podcasts or they know book lists where if the writer or, you know, podcaster says, oh, if you enjoy this genre, you'll enjoy this book, then they can take that information and help other people find great books. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, for me, I, I'm not a librarian, right? I mean, now I have a podcast on books, but it's yeah. always been a way for me to connect with my family and friends of like, I might never read this book, but I heard about this and I know from our past conversations, what books and things you like. And so like, yeah. Hey, I think, or I can send it to them as a gift, right? If there's birthday or Christmas coming up, but it's a way that I've, I kind of show love, I guess, is sharing, like, I think you would love this book too. Yeah. It's an awesome way. I love it. Books really bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump into your book flight today. And what is the first book we'll be talking about? Okay. So the first book I'm going to be sharing today is called Beautiful Country. It's by Chan Julie Wang. And I don't remember the exact year it came out. I want to say 2019, 2018-ish, okay. maybe 2020. I definitely read it <laughs> like okay. last year. But it was it's a memoir. And it's about um, Chan Julie Wang's experience of coming to America at age seven as an undocumented immigrant. Okay. And just her experience of growing up. Um, in New York City is an undocumented immigrant and her family sort of leaving in her eyes sort of like a, a very lavish lifestyle behind, you know, to become impoverished. And it just goes through her life story and her experiences. I actually picked up this book because it was on Obama's recommended reading list one year. Okay. And I normally don't read nonfiction. And I think it was one of those things where I happened to see the post and then at the library, I happened to spot the book a mile away. And I was like, whoa, I just... <laughs> learned about this book maybe I should pick it up and it was just really gripping because the author's writing style is just phenomenal and as a reader you get really invested in her journey of her childhood and growing up and even though you know she's very successful you know as an adult and all these things I find I believe she was a Harvard graduate practicing law Wow. You know, reading about her childhood is just really interesting because it does shine a light a little bit on parts of America that you wouldn't really expect. And I think that what's really interesting about the book is that um, even the title Beautiful Country is apparently the direct translation of the Chinese name for America. So, well, you know, okay. when she left home, she had all these big, big ideas, expectations. And then when she arrived, you know, that didn't really meet reality but of course you know as a child you find ways to survive and to have joy she really goes on to describe at length you know her love of libraries for example and all that stuff which I think I relate to and I think many readers would just relate to you know that sense of finding a place where you can be yourself and you can explore your interests yeah. so I really enjoyed the novel just the writing style was so beautiful like you really get immersed in the author's story and even though it's a memoir, I won't say there's any like, you know, twists and turns. It's a, a fairly linear story, but just the way it's written is just really grabbing. Like it really reeled me in. I think I finished it within like two days. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have never heard of this one, but it sounds 
again, like it would totally fit that bill of getting to walk in someone else's shoes and in a life that you're not going to have of your own. So for sure. um, I, I think it also toes that line between like, you know, memoir, an almost literary fiction. I want to say it has like that literary fiction writing style, that element, but because the story is true, it kind of goes into that memoir category, which I also really find interesting about nonfiction. The ones that I do enjoy or you know, when I do find myself picking them up, it's because there's an element of almost like fiction storytelling to it, yeah. right? Like there's there's a sense in which that it's really creative and not just when you think of nonfiction, like I think some wrongfully, I think like, oh, boring, prescriptive, but these books aren't like that at all. They're just, they're yeah. actually very creative. Yeah. And it sounds like um, there might be some of like a transformation story as well from what you said for childhood to, you know, being a very yes. successful adult. So yeah. Oh, definitely. I, lo- I love that. There is, yeah. Go ahead. There's a little bit of it. Sorry, but I was going to say it's not, it doesn't transform too, too much because I want to say that like 85% of the novel is about the author's childhood. Okay. So it's a really deep dive into those child childlike feelings and emotions of being somewhere new you know and you know comparing that to those emotions but then as an adult writing it down and just really describing what that process is like for other adults to understand so I think it's it's a really unique book in the sense that it yes it's nonfiction, it's a memoir but it's also all these other things it's creative it's inspiring it's moving right yeah. so really interesting Wonderful. I think it's a great book. I just highly recommend it for both fiction and nonfiction lovers. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. So that was Beautiful Country by Chan Julie Wang. What is the second book of our pairing today? So the second book is called Between Two Kingdoms. It's also a memoir. It's by Suleika Jawad. I forgot to look up interviews of this author's name. Uh, I think it's Jaoud, <laughs> I, t- I think, because I've okay. read it as well. And I feel like Ooh. I went and I researched like after I read the book okay. about her. And I think it's Jaoud, if I'm correct. Okay, so the book is Between Two Kingdoms by Suleika Jaoud. And it's also a memoir. The tagline for this book is a memoir of a life interrupted, which is actually exactly how I would describe it. Yeah. And it's really just a a memoir about this woman who receives a life-changing cancer diagnosis and, you know, her journey of, you know, dealing with all these physical health issues, but also how that impacts her day-to-day life. And not only, you know, in just her relationships with other people, though that's a big part of it, but also in relation to herself and what she thinks of herself and herself as an artist and a writer, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And I couldn't help but read this and again, put myself in her shoes. And I would feel very similar to how she felt, right? And that relationship to self and receiving this life-changing cancer diagnosis. I felt like I would respond very similarly to how she did in a lot of this book. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You don't, yeah, it's interesting because when you read it, you can relate to her um, both as like, I would do similarly, but also in that you really relate to these questions that she's asking, even though, you know, you may not be experiencing the same thing yourself. It really does make you wonder, you know, where am I in this sort of like between two kingdoms of like life and not life, right? Like, what am I doing with my time here? or How should that time be spent? So it's really interesting. I don't, um, the reason I chose it is because I don't tend to normally enjoy really like introspective novels that make me question things about myself and or the universe. But I really enjoyed this novel um I shouldn't say enjoyed because it was 
hard to read at times, yeah. but I like to say enjoyed because I was, um, I got through it again very quickly. I wanted to know what would happen. And even though, you know, I felt all these emotions on behalf of um, Seleka, I was still, you know, mesmerized by the story and I wanted to know what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe she started right. She was writing a column. I forget for what newspaper, right? Or was it a yes. blog? I yes. I think it, I think it was blog and then newspaper, but yes, like one of those where it was like a column about her, you know, confessions of someone who's like a cancer patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that as hard as that was to write, there's probably some healing that happens in that journey as well as you're writing all these things down and processing um, exactly what you're going through, right? And the introspective look of like, well, what does this mean in my world? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think it, I think there is a like cathartic element to writing things down and getting them out. And even though, you know, sometimes it may be hard to read or even hard to write, it is very cathartic and you can kind of feel that in the writing as well. The writing is really, it's, it's intense. It's very beautifully written, but it is a little bit intense in terms of the action or the things that are happening. It does make you, you know, almost want to take a step back and shy away from it because it's so raw, Yeah. but it's still really gripping. And, you know, you do find yourself like, even though I kind of want to look with one eye open, I still want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It is, it is very raw emotion in this book. Yeah. And so listeners go into this, you know, it's not, it's not overall. I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it a heavy read. It's definitely worth yep. reading, but sometimes I feel like I shy away from books. If I know it's going to be like this overwhelming sadness, like I'm like, I need to fit that in my life when I'm ready for that. Yes. Um, but I don't, I don't think that I would categorize this book in that where I'm like, okay, I need to make sure I'm emotionally ready <laughs> to go into yes. that one. Yes, I would say it toes that line. Yeah. But it does it very well. Even though it's a heavy topic, it doesn't feel all that heavy. It just feels more like raw. Or like, yeah. I would say, I feel like a buzzword that a lot of people use is like unflinching, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't have come up with that, but I appreciate that you did. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the book marketing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add about that one? I think the only thing I'd like to add is that this is, one of the first, one of the few like initial memoirs that really got me into the genre. So I would say if you're someone who's not big nonfiction reader, but you're just curious of like finding that sort of line between, you know, creative and prescriptive, I feel like this is a good one where it's more lit, like more creative nonfiction rather than just, you know, prescriptive because it really is about someone's life but it also leaves a lot of key moments of reflection for the reader and I think it's just interesting yeah right I think that word perhaps is a little bit boring or people don't use it as often to describe books but it's an interesting book your yeah. your interest is engaged right yeah 100 percent absolutely yeah. so that was Between Two Kingdoms by Suleika Jaoud and then what's the last book of our pairing today Okay, so speaking of books that are a little bit sad, you have to be in the right mindset. Okay. This one is definitely on the sadder side. It's known by it's Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Okay. And this book is about Chanel's life and her experiences and when she got her rise in the literary world or how her name came to be in the spotlight was because she was Emily Doe in the Brock Turner uh case. So that was the Stanford rape case yes. as you may have known it so it was about her story and the reason it's called know my name is because 
she was known to the world as someone who this horrible thing had happened to her, but it was not within her control. And that's not what her life is about. She's yeah. a fully fledged human being outside of this horrible experience. So that's why it's, you know, called Know My Name. It's about her sharing her life story, you know, outside of this hor horrific thing that happened. Although it does, you know, talk about it in some extent, you know, to understand, you know, her mindset and what she was going through or what physically had happened to her. Um, the book is so much more than that. It's actually a really beautiful piece of art yeah. because a lot of people may not know this, but Chanel Miller is a great artist, both like a visual artist and, you know, someone who has a great literary skill. Okay. And the book is just really compelling in the sense that you really learn about her life, you know, outside of this event, but you also get a lot of wisdom and a lot of um, insight into just the life of being an artist, being a creative person. So I think that's the reason I recommend this book is, yes, it there is, you know, a really heavy subject matter that's sort of, I don't want to say it's at the heart of it because that's not true. It It's in the book and it's sort of like adjacent to okay. the story, but it's not the whole story which is why I think this book is such an important read because it really, um, if you're someone who's interested in just the lives of artists and the lives of people and, you know, empowering people outside of whatever horrible experience may have happened to them, this is just a great book from that lens. Yeah. I've never heard of this one, but even from just the title, you're already drawing me in and mm -hmm. your are very, you know, first line about how she was a full-fledged human being outside of this horrible incident that she didn't ask for her, right? She didn't ask exactly. this to happen to her. And that was, you know, if we look at it from the eyes of someone else, like that was defining her life. And it's like, no, I am so much yes. more than this event. Um, exactly. That sounds as, you know, like you said, maybe there's some sadness, but it sounds like there's a very beautiful read in that. Yes. And I want to say um, she's a great writer. Like truly when I think of someone, you know, who is an artist, I, I would think of her not only because she's a great visual artist and her work has been featured in so many publications. Um, she has a really great style of sort of uh, documenting these ordinary experiences, but in a really beautiful and profound way or showing the profound and ordinary moments, right? Like just, yeah. you know, feeling overwhelmed and you go out on the street and you see like a seagull walking along. And it sounds like when I describe that, right, it's not very compelling or really interesting. It's a normal thing that happens, but she has a way of really, you know, finding the joy in that and yeah. finding the joy in like going outside of your normal routine and seeing something you that you wouldn't normally seen. And she puts that into her writing. So when you do get to those sad elements, of course, it is extra hard to read because even though it's sad, it's so beautifully written. Yeah. But there's so much more to the book than just that. I really think I actually, I really admire her just in terms of as a person who is artistic. I really admire someone who's like re who really comes into their own and says, you know, I'm an artist and here's why and here's how just a phenomenal writer. I really this is one of the few nonfiction books that I personally recommend to just everyone I know in general. And I'm like, I'm not a nonfiction reader, but this is just a really good book. Yeah. I couldn't help but thinking as you were describing her, not only as the visual artist, but as a yeah. literary artist, of oh, she's like almost adding an exclamation point to daily life. Yes. <laughs> That's a, actually, it's a great description. I think if you were to look up her art in her comics, there is a sense of that. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a question mark, right? Sometimes it's contemplating, but yeah. yes, it's definitely a way of like adding new punctuation to life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 
I love it. <laughs> Great description. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so that was Know My Name by Chanel Miller. And then I know that you also gave us a dessert pairing today. So yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> yes, I'm really excited about this dessert pairing because I think, you know, it, when you listen to the the whole episode, you kind of realize, okay, this person likes memoirs, also really likes graphic novels. So I've decided to include a graphic novel memoir Wonderful. as our dessert pairing. And specifically it's aimed at a younger audience so you can recommend it both to yourself as an adult but also if you have children in sort of like that 10 year old range okay. I recommend this one so it's called when stars are scattered it's by victoria jameson and omar muhammad and this memoir graphic novel goes through the life of omar as a young um, refugee as a young somalian refugee living in a refugee camp okay. so it goes through his childhood and his story and it is definitely nonfiction. so towards the end of the book you read the novels let me backtrack a little bit I find that novels like this really do a great job of both creating a fictionalized element of the person's life story but then at the end they also include a chapter you know that describes a letter from Omar himself and it also describes uh, the experience of working with Victoria to create this graphic novel about cool. his life. So it was really interesting because you see sort of just the childhood, right? You have 200-ish pages of the childhood and, you know, what that experience like was being a refugee, growing up in a refugee camp, moving, you know, to America eventually. And then you also get the experience of what happens next. Though it's a very short blurb, I think he later becomes an activist and that's sort of, you know, how his story gets told. But you get a very short blurb, not only that, but you also sometimes see real life pictures as well wow. of the of the refugee camp and all that interesting element. So I enjoyed this one because it since it's a children's novel, it does read very fast paced. Gives okay. you, I would say, like a snapshot of the childhood. But if you've ever, you know, read any graphic novels or you know Victoria Jameson, she's the Newbery Honor winner for Roller Girl which okay. is a really fun graphic novel about um, roller derby. And fun. her art style is just so fun and delightful. So it kind of, I don't want to say it waters down the reality because that's not true. It depicts it accurately, but it puts it in an accessible way for children to, you know, sort of put themselves in someone else's, someone else's shoes, right? Yeah. Um, which I feel like is something that we both value. So I think it's just really great book. I highly recommend it, especially for people who aren't into graphic novels at all. I find that sometimes a lot of people want to get into it or they know it's so popular or they don't understand why it's so popular because they're like, it's just pictures, right? It's like reading a picture <laughs> book, right? But actually, there's a lot that is conveyed, you know, in the picture itself in addition to the text, right? Like if you have the character looking upset or sad, you know, you don't need to be told that. You can kind of see it visually. So it yeah. actually does take a certain level of skill you know, to read and enjoy graphic novels because it's a different type of reading. So I tend to recommend this one both to adults as well, because I think it's just a great story that there's just so much value in it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for going through the graphic novels, because I will admit that sometimes I think of them as like the old school comics, right? <laughs> that there's not much of a story. I mean, there's a slight storyline, but like a lot of fluff put in there. Yeah. Um, but my oldest son, is, he just turned eight. So we're like, <laughs> we're getting to the point where graphic novels, we could start picking that up. And I could see where yeah. that would help 
I've noticed sometimes like his comprehension of the story, right? Like we'll have just read it and I'll go back and ask questions. And he's like, what? And I'm like, we literally just read about it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I could see where that might help the comprehension piece of that. Yes. It's always recommended to go with graphic novels if the reader is not super into reading. It's a good way to make someone interested in reading, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. Because I think the mentality is sometimes, you know, when you're forcing someone, anyone to read something they don't want to read, it just won't happen, right? Yeah. But if you want to improve like the reading skills, it's why a lot of educators will recommend graphic novels to readers who are, you know, really beginning because th there's there's a way in which you are learning, you are comprehending, you are getting information out of the text. You just may be looking for it in another way. Yeah. Like what you said, now we've had many years, right, to determine what type of books we like. But I kind of feel like that's what I've been doing with my son this past year of like, okay, well, let's try this one or let's try that and trying to yeah. figure out what his interests are because he's going to want to read what his interests are, right? I mean, exactly. just like we do. So for sure. Okay. Definitely. Well, anything else? Sorry, we kind of digressed there a little bit but that you'd <laughs> like to add about when stars are scattered. I think, yeah, the only thing I would, I would add is that if you read this one and you like it and you enjoy graphic novels, you are very welcome for the amazing world you're about to be introduced to. Because this is definitely <laughs> a great one that I highly recommend. Yeah. Be a little gateway into graphic exactly, novels. I love exactly. that. <laughs> okay. Well, I love to finish our episodes with what I call our bonus pairings, which are just a speed round of questions. So you can answer mm -hmm. these really quick. Mm -hmm. Where is your favorite place to read? I have to be honest and say in bed. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Comfort right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then what is one book you've read that has changed your life? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I want to say one book that really had a interest, profound impact on my life was Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, which is a young adult fiction novel. I read it many years ago. Okay. Um, but I remember reading it and it was kind of the first time where I read a book and I was like, wow, like books are really powerful tools. Like they can really impact you and just not only your emotions, but just, you know, your thoughts. And it was really, it was a really interesting experience because sometimes when you read a great book and you think, wow, this is a phenomenal book. It was really one of the few instances I vividly remember where that had happened to me. And that made me realize this is something that I want to help be a part of. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard of this A, but I also love how you say that because I love those books that linger with you. And yes. story, right. Like they almost don't take up space in your head, but they are just like you keep going back to them and you keep thinking about them. And exactly. The book is actually going to be a movie that's coming out in the fall, an independent film, I believe. Oh, fun. So I don't know too much about the movie. I don't quite remember. Okay. But yeah, it's it's um it's a great book. Awesome. Okay. And then are you a rereader? Yes. I'm trying to be I'm I want to be more of a rereader, to be honest, because there's a lot of books I've read and that I really enjoy. Sure. But I try to reread some favorites every couple of years, or if they're not favorites, at least books that, you know, I remember reading them and I remember liking them. But now I can't remember what the heck happened. Why did I even like it? Or yeah. does it hold up? Right. Yeah, that's what I've thought about some of my favorites that I've had for many years of going back and rereading them now and being like, does this still hold up? Because I'm still recommending it from when I read yes. it eight years ago. But I'm like, is it still ever, you know, still in there um, as yeah. a favorite? Okay. And then lastly, what are you reading next? 
Oh, that's a great question. I don't have a book I'm reading next. I'm not too sure about, but I can share a book I'm currently reading. Yeah, perfect. A, a yeah. Cheat. It's, it's right in front of me. So I'm currently reading Fake Dates in Moon Cakes by Cher Lee. Okay. I'm trying to hold it up in the Zoom. Hold on. <laughs> Just because the cover is so cute. Oh, I love that. That is really yes. cute. <laughs> yes. So for those listening, go and look it up right now. It's a young adult novel about these two teens who, exactly what it says, fake dates and mooncakes. They proceed to go on some fake dates. They make some mooncakes. Um, there is a corgi on the cover, and the corgi is actually so a really big part of the story. It's that perfect, like, summer, lighthearted read. You know, you just pick it up and you breeze through it. I want to say for a contemporary novel, it's very fast-paced. Like there's okay. surprisingly a lot of action and you're just thrown right in the story. And I can't tell if I enjoy that or I don't enjoy it. I'm still of two minds about it because I do think sometimes you can be thrown too much right into the action. But if you're someone who's looking for like very quick, you know, 200 page read, light, summer fun, takes place in New York, which I always love. It's one of my favorite cities. Okay. Then I do recommend it for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know your time is precious. So I really appreciate all the time you've spent with me today. For sure. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. I always love talking about books. I could do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. And thank you. I had a lot of fun as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today with Shelly Zev and the book flight of books that are autobiographical memoirs. We'd love to hear what other books you'd pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time. <laughs>